0: All right, we're in Exodus chapter 32 as we continue from this morning. And just kind of as you're looking there, we'll be in verse 20 starting tonight. But this morning we see the, that um, Moses is up on the mountain and the Ten Commandments will be given to him on the stone tablets written by the finger of God. Then God lets him know what's going on down in the valley, you might say down on the ground, the bottom of the mountain where the children of Israel now are singing and dancing and and doing some of the vile things that uh, will go on in that situation. And so this morning we saw that God tells Moses what is going on down there. And his first thing we saw is his reaction. He returns from the mountain to go down there and confront it. You know, that's the way you handle problems. You confront them. And and so he's returning. He's going to confront these problems that are going on down there right now. God told him about them. When God tells you about something, you react. And you go right after it. Okay? And so that's what he does to begin with. So he returns. And we see the second thing is righteous indignation. He throws those stone tablets down. They break in pieces. Now, God's going to rewrite the same things again on on other tablets when He goes back up the mountain for another 40 days and 40 nights. But they can see that the man of God is angry. Now, you think about that. Nearly a million people out there, here's an 80-year-old man, and they're scared to death of him. He's not carrying nuclear weapons. (laughs) He's He's not carrying anything. But they heard the music going on down there. And Joshua is walking with them. He says, wow, sounds like there's war. Those drums were beating strong. They were hitting very strong. And he thought there was a war going on, just like they would beat drums in that day going into the battle, going into the war, which was designed to strike fear into the enemy. But he says, no, that's not the sound of war. Uh, they're partying down there. They're having a party, and it's not a good thing. And so we were getting right down to there until we got to verse 20. That's where we cut off before verse 20, and we're going to see there that Moses removes the problem. To remove a problem, you've got to deal with the problem, okay, and that's what he will do. But let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get started. Father, I pray that as we go into the Word tonight, Lord, do what I know that I can't do, is make it clear to each and every heart and mind, thy Holy Spirit enlightening each person, whether they're in this auditorium or they're watching live stream or listening on radio. Lord, it's, we help me to rightly divide your word and I speak as thus saith the Lord. Give me words, Lord, that uh, come directly from you in Jesus Christ's name, Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, in verse twenty, uh, we see that he's got he's re- gotten down there, and then it says in verse twenty, and he took the calf—that's the golden catch calf, calf—which they had made, and he burned it in the fire, and ground it to powder. installed it upon the water and made the children of Israel drink of it. Now, as I said, an 80-year-old man is making about a million people drink this water. Now, you think about that. When you had the good hand of the Lord upon you, that power, that is, that authority, and that might, you see, we call Him Almighty God because He's not only a God of all authority, He's a God of all might. And so... Uh, He makes them drink of it. And one of the things about it that we're learning here is that they need to see that their sin needs to be forsaken. And it can be uh, forsaken. But it often does have consequences in this life. Now, there are people that God has chastened for their sin, but there are things that has resulted from that. Uh, some people will be limping the rest of their life. Some people will be bedridden the rest of their life. And yet they can be still used of God. Some people will have a broken home. Some people have so many things that go on from sin. But God can still use them. But oh the heartbreak and, and the things that they go on uh, in the rest of their life. So it does have a consequence in this life. We, our responsibility is to consecrate ourselves to God, and then if you're going to consecrate yourself to God, you need to concentrate on not only getting right with God, but staying right with God. You see, you've got to have both. Now, in verse 21, it says, And Moses said unto Aaron, What did the people uh, unto thee? That thou brought this great sin. I mean, it's a great sin that he's brought upon them. And when God gives him the words, he gives him the words that need to be said. You brought great sin upon them. Now, look, Aaron is the priest, he's the high priest. That's his position. But that also calls for accountability. Now, you've heard me say much about these churches that are going woke, these churches that are going contemporary, these churches going all these other directions. There are pastors of those churches that promoted it, went along with it. They are so very accountable before God, and it's not going to be a good accountability. As a matter of fact, uh, I was sharing with you recently about a pastor that is, going to have some seminars, and I watched one of his podcasts. How to transition your church out of the King James Bible. You know what? When I see somebody says, says something like that, it makes me think of this woke culture. I know I was born a woman, but I'm going to be a man now. Going to get I'm going to transition, going to have surgeries and transition. A man says, I know I'm a, a woman inside and so I'm going to be transitioning into a woman and they have surgeries. Those surgeries don't make them a man or a woman. It won't do it. They still are what they were born. And transitioning from the King James Bible to something else will not give them the truth. They'll be forsaking the truth of God. And if they think they know better than God, why in the world are they trying to lead a church? So, and, and they want to lead churches out. Why would they want to lead churches out? Because, whether they realize it or not, they have become tools in the hand of Satan. Now, let's look at uh, uh, Moses, uh, Aaron's res- uh, reply. And, and Aaron said, Let not the anger... Of my Lord wax hot, thou knowest these people the people, that they are set on mischief. What's he doing? He's he's blaming the people for his sin. He's the leader. He's the priest, he's down there in charge, and he is blaming the people for it. Now, do you remember Adam and Eve? I mean, that is <clears throat> that is one of the That's kind of funny to it. God confronts them in the the garden. Adam's the man. He's the head of the home. What hast thou done? Lord, it's this woman you gave me. Woman, what have you done? It's this serpent. Serpent. Oh, man, there's nobody else around. Man, he's, he's got it. Okay, you're, going to, you're not going to talk anymore, and you're going to be on your belly the rest of all eternity until you're in hell. Okay? So that's, that's just the way it goes. But you see, they try to blame others and say, well, it wouldn't have happened if they. Uh, God created you an individual. So why are you letting other individuals decide what you do? Whether you're going to do right or wrong. We've got the Word of God, and when you got saved, you got the very Holy Spirit of God to come and indwell you. So you don't have to follow what this world says, oh, this is what's happening now. You know, in in Revelation, when it's talking about the seven churches, the church at Sardis, it says of them, thou hast a name that thou livest, but art dead. You know what that means? everybody's saying boy, because that church in Sardis man, that's the happening church. man they've got everything that boy, you got to go there. They are all excited about the church at Sardis. <clears throat> they have a name, boy, that's the living church man. God says you're dead. you're dead. He says you have a an name you live, but thou art dead. And so, Here we are, they're blaming other people for their faults when it is their own fault. And and look, the way you're going to have victory is to know the Word of God, to stay in the Word of God, meditate on the Word of God, learn it, and you can be an overcomer no matter what it is, Because that word in you and having the Holy Spirit to guide you measure every new thing by the word of God that comes up. When people try to do something new in a church, we're going to have this kind of music now. Oh, we're going to change our standards now. Always, always, always go to the word of God and make sure it lines up. Again, like the old illustration of counterfeit money, you don't learn what is counterfeit by studying counterfeits. You learn what a counterfeit is by studying the real thing. Study the Word of God. Know the Word of God. Place your trust in the Word of God and do God's will, God's way, at all times. People. I mean, they have those great personalities. They're nice people and so forth like that but they can bring temptation and not even know that the devil is using them to tempt you. And they're going to try to take you from being consecrated to the Lord and begin to concentrate on the things they want you to concentrate on. And too often they're desiring acceptance And becomes well, it just becomes greater victories for the devil in the lives of too many people. uh, That name, the name of the Lord. And so beware of these kind of people. These are the people say, you know what, we need to do something about this in the church. We need to do about that something in the church. And it's about well, they're preaching the Word. We, we were talking today with some that said, he preaches too much salvation. You know, I, I used to, I, don't, I, I, don't, I can't remember anymore, but I, I can remember having about, uh, I think it was 12 different subjects that that's all I preach on. I, I would mark it down and keep that, remember that, then when a new subject would come in, I'd put it up, and I thought, man, I've got 12 horses in the stall, you know. And, and that, they would say, that's all he ever preaches on. And one of the things was salvation. Another thing was, all he preaches on is prophecy. You know, if they're preaching the word of God and they're rightly dividing it, and they feel like that's what God wanted them to preach, rejoice. You know what? I was saved by grace through faith. God saved me. Now, do I fully understand everything about that? No, I don't fully understand everything. I mean, I know how to get saved. I know how to lead a person to Christ. Yeah, I know those things on how to do it. And I know what it is to be saved and to try to live for Jesus Christ. But to understand the entire depth of the love of God to save us and to put up with us. No. 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 How could we put up with people that you just give your all to help them and do something for them, and then they just kind of, after they've gotten their help, kind of flip you off? And you just think of that. And see, that's the way it goes so often. So stay, stay steady in your walk with God, stay steady in staying in the Word of God, and continue in a holy walk with God. One of the things that I often do that I think is a right thing, at least it's right for me. Let me say this. It's right for me because I need it. I need it. And the older I get, the more I need it. But In my personal prayers, One of the things that I ask is, God, keep me mindful of your word as it applies to each situation in my life. You see, I like the Holy Spirit to bring it to my mind. As you see a situation, let the Holy Spirit of God bring it to your heart and mind, and it will help you in the decisions that you make. You can learn things from the wrong crowd, but remember, <clears throat> if you choose to walk with them, you're going to have consequences that go along with them. Now, that's just the truth of the matter. Those consequences come. Now, in verse 23 of our text, he says, <clears throat> For they, Aaron's now continuing his talk. He's already blamed the people. For they said unto me, make us gods which shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we ought not what has become of him. And verse 24 says, And I said unto them, Whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it me, then I cast it into the fire. Moses thought, man, I was going to burn all that gold up that they gave me. And there came out this calf. And he thinks Moses is going to buy that. But don't forget in verse 4 of this chapter, it tells us that Aaron fashioned it with uh, graving tools. He made a molten calf and said, "These be the gods O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. I believe that Aaron honestly thought that he could convince Aaron uh, com- convince Moses of that. But you know, when you go with the devil and when you go the wrong way, you do and say stupid things. So verse 25 says, And when Moses saw that the the people were naked, listen to these next two words, for Aaron, Aaron, for Aaron had made them naked naked unto their shame among their enemies. <clears throat> now understand, that's the way they worshiped the golden calf in Egypt. The children of Israel had witnessed what the Egyptians were doing, worshiping a golden calf in Egypt. I think the name, the name escapes me for the moment, but I think it was Ipus, was what they called the, the God of the golden calf. And they worshipped that golden calf in Egypt. But what they did, just what he said here. They took their clothes off. The people were naked. To their shame before their enemies. You see, the thing that did it, coming off the mountain, hearing the drums beat, (coughs) isn't that what you have in rock music? beat-driven music. Now, all music, you know, I used to have people come up to me, preach, you shouldn't preach against that because even Amazing Grace has beat. Yes, all music has beat. But it's not beat-driven. It's not beat-driven. And so, they're naked. It's unto their shame. And this is the flesh. It's a fleshly thing. It appeals to the flesh. The music appeals to the flesh. Israel wants to worship God the way the Egyptians worshipped a false god. So what does Aaron do? He makes an altar. And says tomorrow is a feast unto the Lord. And that feast unto the Lord is saying Yahweh, God Almighty has delivered us from Egypt through this golden calf. So let's worship the golden calf that God gave us. The way they they taught us to worship a golden calf, to worship God in Egypt. Now mind you, the Israelites didn't participate in that worship in Egypt. The Egyptians wouldn't let them do that. But that's what they saw. Aaron made them naked. When preachers turn to the contemporary, and I believe you'll soon see some of these churches that have gone contemporary, guess what the next step is? They're going to go woke. They're going to go woke. And it will be lily-livered pastors who are spiritually transitioning into a spiritual dress instead of wearing the pants in the family of God. And that is not Going to honor God, it's going to be blasphemy of God, and it's something that God will judge in this life. Look, you can never in the flesh, and I'm talking about the old nature, you can never in the flesh glorify God. The spirit within us, our own human spirit, if we walk with God, we live in obedience to the Holy Spirit we'll reject it automatically because our Holy Spirit, if we're listening to him, will have us to reject that which is unholy. Therefore, it is against God, even though people try to place the name of God to it. I did hear the story of a man that was, had alcohol. And lifted up his glass and said, We give this, we drink this in Jesus' name. And the story is told, the guy within 24 hours died. Not killed by somebody. Not an accident. He just died. Now, now folks, so when... These churches go woke. Things are going to happen. And that is not what the Lord would have us to do. And by the way, when those things begin to happen, we're not glorifying God because it drags in a number of people. It is not glorifying God that we drag in those people. We heard Brother Randy was speaking tonight about what he spoke on there let's just say well let's let them come in and have a platform and we can all be one you don't think contemporary is doing that today you don't think the woke crowd is doing that today they're putting people in position that may be part of the lgbtq to say well we love everybody well love them enough to give them the gospel, show them the way of righteousness and true holiness, and draw them from that evil. So, we see what Moses did to begin with, but then we also see that Moses, his love, his move, should I say, is to start a revival in Israel. His move is going to be holy, not like Aaron's way of Yahweh wants us to do it this way and doing it in Yahweh's name, what is wrong or what is in God's name wrong. Using God's name to justify anything that is wrong is never, 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 never right. And so the people of Israel, they They are not faced with a priest that's ahead of them while Moses is gone. Now they're faced with a true man of God who's going to stand and tell them the truth. God came back and confronted Aaron and the people through Moses. That golden calf is destroyed people are made to drink that water. Look, God never justifies the worship of a golden calf or the way of the world, just like he never justified what Aaron did. Jesus Christ is all truth. Let me say this very clearly. Jesus Christ is not ecumenical. Amen. Jesus Christ, it is His word, His way. If that offends people, please the people that it offends get right with God. It doesn't make me happy that God has to judge you in this life or wait to the next life, and you see loss of reward because you thought that preacher was stupid for preaching the truth of God's word about these things. Now, verse 26, And Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. I want you to understand something. Moses was the son of Levi, I mean, of that tribe. Aaron was of that tribe. Aaron is his brother. But just because somebody in your family line doesn't, doesn't mean you have to do it. It can be your brother, it can be your sister, it can be your uh, parents, it can be your children. Don't let them lead you into unrighteousness. Look, when you say, Oh, my children want this, we're going to do this. I, I don't like it either, but we want to do this for our children's sake. If your children are saved, they're saved by what is our righteousness. That is Christ. But, since they're saved, they have the righteousness of Christ. That's how we're accepted into heaven, by the way. The Bible says, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, we are accepted in the beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we're accepted. We're accepted in His righteousness. I'm a pretty good guy. Not by the standard of holiness, none of us are good. No, not one, the Bible says. Our righteousness must be the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the psalmist says, if the foundations be destroyed, those foundations of righteousness and true holiness, which is a reflection of our Lord, of our God, who says in Psalms 145, verse 17, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. And if the Lord is righteous in all of his ways and is holy in all his works, then that tells us something. The only way we're going to please the Lord is to do God's will, God's way, according to His Word. Always. Always. And so no matter if all the other people are doing everything else. I mean, remember, there were 12 tribes. Only the sons of Levi, those of the tribe of Levi, come when Moses said, Who's on the Lord's side? Now, folks, all the tribes were related to one another. They came from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They came from that. That was their line. But to take a stand, they'd have to stand against a majority of their brethren because they were mostly all involved. And what you have to do as a Christian is realize my strength cometh from the Lord. My strength. But you see, you have to have the commitment to it. The commitment to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The commitment to His Word. The commitment to walk with Him. You may not hear the voice of men saying it today. But it's the old hymn. Who is on the Lord's side? And when you say, I'm going to walk on the Lord's side, I'm going to walk in the way of righteousness and true holiness. You may turn family members. You may turn friends. You may turn others against you. But if you're walking according to the word and will of God, you're walking in love for Christ. It really doesn't matter if they're that way. Because if you decide to compromise, you're going to destroy the, right, the, the foundations and whatever righteousness of those children that you have or those others that you have that you love. They can't do anything because you've removed the example, you've removed the Word of God and how to live by it. What can the righteous do when they don't have the Word of God? If the foundations be destroyed. You know why Satan wants new Bible versions? To destroy the foundations. Well, I understand this so much better. You know, you guys talk about that King James Version. Well, we understand this other so much better. Yeah, I know. King James Version was written on a fifth grade level, and that's hard for a lot of people. It is, it's on a fifth grade level. And you write it on a fifth grade level, and you say you can't understand it. Go back. I'm not a big guy about lawsuits but I'd go back and sue all my teachers and all my schools I went to if I could not understand the fifth grade level. I mean, if you graduated from elementary school, you can read at a fifth grade level. To say I don't understand it, that tells me something. That tells me that as you read that word, you're not letting the Holy Spirit of God help you understand it. And there was an old comedian years, years ago. That comedian was an uh, atheist as well. Now I'm, I'm going back to the 1920s, okay? I wasn't alive then, but I'm going back to the 1920s. That comedian was noted as, as an atheist. Spoke freely of it. In his last days, he was no longer in Hollywood. As a matter of fact, he was up in Alabama, and he was in a rest home there his last days. And some reporters wanted to go in and see him. They walked in, and he's reading a Bible. Now, he said it as a joke, but I think it was more than a joke. I think he was just ashamed. But they said, what are you doing? He says, I'm looking for loopholes. But you know what that tells me? He knew he deserved to go to hell. He knew what his life had been. And too often, even Christians are looking for loopholes not to obey the word of God. And if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? You hear the things that was spoken of tonight about the threats? The things that can bring terror. You know, one thing he didn't tell you tonight, and this happened about three or four years ago, I think about four years ago, maybe five, but here in Ocala, yeah, conservative country, Ocala, everything is nice and good. There was a mosque that was filled with some bombs, and they were going to just hit a Jewish synagogue. They got caught. What I'm afraid of with our government today that there's not too many people that want them to get caught now. And that's terrible. So what I'm saying to you, it doesn't matter what the majority stands for. My Lord is the majority. Stand with Him. Stand for what's right. Just commit yourself. Lord, it's Your Word, Your way. Now, that tells, let me conclude the message for tonight this way. Are you daily in the Word of God? Do you have time to set aside in God's Word? Secondly, do you have a set time set aside to pray? I'm going to share just a little bit of a testimony with you. Y'all know I had about those three or four hemorrhagic strokes there in a row. And the psalmist said, In faithfulness thou hast afflicted me. Now, I might have said, "Well, Lord, I was willing to listen, you know, uh, instead of go through all those strokes." But um, you know, I'd, I'd still like to have the eyesight I used to have. I'd, I'd still like to have the things I used to do. But I had a daily prayer. I had a daily prayer. But it's after the times of strokes that my prayers became more intense. My prayers had more praise for our Lord inhabits praise. And the word of God had a greater influence on my prayer life. Now, please, don't honor me. I am not, I shouldn't have been in that position that the Lord had to do that. But I believe to this day now that the Lord did those things to strengthen my prayer life. My uh, Paul's uh, children. And grandchildren were here, of course, for the wedding. And we had the rehearsal dinner afterwards. And I saw Paul and Bonnie sitting there, and so I went over there and sat down. Okay. Grandson, his wife, there's two precious little grandchildren. The way I knew them, that I've seen them, I've known them all these years, was because they were sitting with Paul and Bonnie. And they're my ch- grandchildren. See, those strokes took a part of my brain that says, you associate this face with this name, you associate this with that one. Well, the grandchildren have grown up some. The grandson, I wouldn't have recognized him anywhere unless I'd seen them with him. I knew it was him once I'd seen him with them. What I want to say. By my bad example, don't let the Lord bring you to that. Don't let the Lord bring you to that. Make things right with God, make things right with people, but especially make things right in your own personal prayer life, your own personal Bible life, with the idea of where He leads me, I will follow but I will stand up for Jesus. I will be on the Lord's side no matter what. Let's bow our heads, please.